0: 是 <laughs> Everyone, Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. National Signing Day, the first one happened today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about Tom Allen staying in the Big Ten, the new defensive coordinator for Penn State. And we're going to be talking some bowl games. We're going to be talking LSU, Wisconsin, Maryland, Auburn, Iowa, Tennessee. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify check us out on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button, leave a review, share this with your friends. You can find us on, on X slash Twitter slash whatever you call that thing. Nowadays, Instagram at big 10 football talk is the handle. And of course you can always email me at big 10 football talk at gmail.com. Again, leave reviews, uh, and, and make sure you're sharing this again. We want to continue to get this thing out, get listenership up. You guys are awesome. I hope you guys got a chance to listen to my time with Larry Crane from Nightwatch. Uh, we had a really good discussion about Rutgers. If you did not get a chance to listen to it, I don't care if you're like, you're not a Rutgers fan go in and find out more about the Scarlet Knights and their program. There's a lot of enthusiasm right now around that program also, if if you listen to other podcasts, and you would love to get me connected and, and have different folks on this show, get me connected. Larry and I got connected through a mutual listener uh, named Sean, who has been listening to our podcast, who left a couple of reviews on Spotify, and said, "Hey, you you and Larry should totally hook up and uh, have have an episode together." probably my favorite episode that I've done in the 150 plus episodes that I've done over the past several years. So, uh, loved it, loved, just loved having him on the show, loved having him. uh, just, just learning more about this Rutgers program that is ascending. National signing day happened. I'm not going to get too much into it because for one, there's still the second national signing day. There's still a lot of transfer portal action going on. So I'm not going to go through, like, who won, who lost. There, there are certainly some notable things. Probably the, the biggest notable thing that I think would be helpful to talk about, and I mentioned this, I, I was on the, the Big Ten Huddle podcast on Tuesday night. Again, if you, you don't follow them, make sure you go and check them out. JR does a great job over there. Just also covering the whole of the Big Ten. But we talked a lot about Dylan Rayola at Nebraska, and it's a huge pickup for them to to flip him from Georgia. You know, he originally was committed to Ohio State, then committed to Georgia, and now he's going to Nebraska. It's, it's a big deal for a couple reasons. One is the fact that they got a five-star prospect, a quarterback that can be the face of the program. But, and this is a big, uh, a big but that I, I would throw out there, how much can you trust a, a high school prospect that's already flipped twice? And so maybe you're a Nebraska fan or maybe you're, you're an opposing fan and you, you look at this very skeptically. And I don't blame you. I, I, I don't blame you for, for looking at that skeptically. Here's what I would say though. It doesn't matter... If he sticks with you for more than a year what matters is you have have landed a five star sought-after prospect and that signals to the rest of the college football world Nebraska can be a place where elite talent goes that matters because if Nebraska can start getting high-profile players to not just be attracted but to actually come then all of a sudden the profile of the school starts to elevate and that's a big deal because uh, to be quite honest Nebraska has been in the place of essentially trying to be a big 10 West school they have not been able to recruit nationally they haven't been able they haven't had big-time recruiting classes you know, they've had some four-star recruits, sure, but no one that is really noteworthy, and they haven't had really anyone noteworthy since they joined the Big Ten, right? A lot of their recruiting heyday was when they could go down to Oklahoma and Texas because of the natural inroads. Remember, if, if you listened when USC and UCLA joined, I said, I, I thought one of the biggest... Uh, beneficiaries of that was nebraska because you are giving nebraska a a pipeline state that is much more reasonable than if california was not in the big 10 and not associated with the big 10 but now all of a sudden you have california which is a talent rich state you have ohio you have pennsylvania you have new jersey you can start to build nebraska as a national brand again it has not been a national brand because they've been stuck in a region that quite frankly is built on toughness, blue collar mentality. And you want that to be the, the the DNA of your program. But if you want to be Nebraska of the nineties, you can't do that and not get some elite guys with it. Dylan Rayola, he's not from California, right? but that signals to guys in california it signals to guys on the east coast it signals to guys, elite guys in the midwest oh nebraska's a place we can go and that's what's big about that commitment all of a sudden it catapults and makes you realize matt rule is for real he's committed to making this place better and he's going to do it his way which has worked everywhere he has gone in the college level so, Nebraska, like, the, the way they're trending, do I think they're going to be a Big Ten contender next year? Maybe, probably not, although the schedule sets up really well. Like, I think they could easily be 7-0 and by the time they get to Ohio State. But it's, I'm telling you, watch out for the Cornhuskers. This is a huge, huge win for them to get Dylan Rayola. Another another team, future Big Ten team that I thought was that really did a good job today. Oregon, they obviously stole Jeremiah McClellan uh, from Ohio State, which was big for them. Jeremiah McClellan was the number three receiver in Ohio State's class. For Oregon, it's their number one guy, and he can be a number one guy. So I thought Oregon did really well. They finished. If you look at all the Big Ten schools for next year, Oregon finished sixth nationally, second overall in the Big Ten. So, great recruiting class again for Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. I thought Penn State, you know, they had a ho-hum type of day. Only one D commit. Remember a year ago, it was, I think, eight D commitments from the class. Held on to everybody, uh, pretty much everybody this year. I I think the big question mark I have is with Ohio State. Right now, they're ranked fourth uh, in the 247 composite. There's reports that Jeremiah Smith committed, or, uh, signed, but there, there are conflicting reports about that. My guess is by the time you listen to this on Thursday morning, there will be some sort of resolution. Um, I think most of the smoke is that he, they're just trying to wait on maybe the check clearing for NIL, what a world we live in. Um, but there was a lot of smoke leading up to the National Signing Day that Miami was making a push Florida was making a push. Florida State was making a push. I think ultimately Jeremiah Smith stays with Ohio State, which would obviously be huge. He's the best receiver prospect. A lot of people are saying he's the best receiver prospect since Julio Jones. That's a big deal. Like Julio Jones at the college level was a menace, um, and obviously we've seen what Ohio State has done with receivers in developing receivers. the the bigger The bigger Thing that was good for Ohio State was after a slew of bad news uh, Justin Scott flipping to Miami Justin Lyle uh, flipping to Miami Edric Houston five-star defensive lineman was trending towards Alabama at the at the 11th hour and Ryan Day secured the win which after a, what everybody's been saying about Ohio, about, about Ohio State, including me, I've been skeptical. I, I felt like momentum has really slowed. Ed, getting Edric Houston to stay was a big deal, bigger than Jeremiah Smith, in my opinion. So I think that that was a big deal for Ohio State. Obviously other, other big things, Michigan had a very Michigan class, right? Good quarterback prospect Jaden Davis uh, a lot of three- and four-star blue-collar guys, talent, talent, right? But Michigan's not making their hay by recruiting seven five-stars. They're developing the, the lunch pail guys and going to work. So they had a really good class for them. Um, you know, don't worry about them not being the top ten. I still think they are, they're, they are going to be a contender in the Big Ten. Obviously, they run the conference right now. I, I think three teams that should be worried uh i thought usc while they're ranked fifth in the big 10 not i think it was only 16 recruits and after everybody they're losing including like a lot of talented guys that are leaving they're not necessarily replenishing that um i'm going to get to usc more in a minute ucla i think had 11 recruits total and granted, I think some of this might be still with the COVID stuff working itself out. Remember, COVID—you know—COVID allowed players to have a full extra year of eligibility. So I don't know if they'll have, you know, maybe freshmen that are they're that hanging around. Maybe they're they're hunting in the portal. Washington, Washington's another school where I think they are losing quite a bit of talent, and they only had 16 guys. Now again, there's another signing day coming coming after this but i just am concerned about those three schools where you look at oregon i mean oregon killed it on the recruiting trail those three schools i'm concerned about everybody else i think you know had the type of the type of day that i i expected michigan state maybe is the one where i looked you know they were i think second to last in the big 10 in terms of recruiting rankings but they are really they're they're portal hunting and jonathan smith is going after a lot of his guys at oregon state he's got his quarterback in the future uh and aiden killis so i i don't think he's i i think he really sees himself recruiting the portal i don't think that's sustainable in the long run but i do think that he you know his plan moving into east lansing for this upcoming year Let's hit the portal hard this year. But then as I, as he builds the recruiting relationships, he'll, he'll rely more on developing talent, homegrown talent as he gets them through high school recruiting. So those are my thoughts. We'll, we'll do more recruiting stuff, more transfer portal stuff when it all settles. Um, but I wanted to get that out there because I know that it was a big deal yesterday. Uh, It's today for me. I'm recording on Wednesday night. Um, Let me just real quick talk about USC. I talked about this on the Big Ten Huddle, and I wanted to put it out for you guys here. USC, if you are a USC fan, or if you're like, oh, USC is like the cream of the crop in the West Coast, which is how I was touting them when they first joined. If you remember all the way back, I was like, I don't know why you'd pick Washington and Oregon. You know, just stick stick with USC and UCLA. Um, In the near term, Washington and Oregon, they're the cream of the crop that are coming in. USC is in a lot of trouble, folks. A lot of trouble, right? Tackett Curtis in the portal. Malachi Nelson in the portal. You know, uh, you got a lot of people opting out of the bowl game. Brendan Rice and uh, all those boys. Caleb uh, Williams obviously is gone. This is this is a bad way, and I know they have a new defensive coordinator who is, I think, much better than Alex Grinch. I get that. But Lincoln Riley, to me, is in a lot of hot water. You know, Ohio State fans get mad at, at Ryan Day. Penn State fans get mad at James Franklin, because like. James Franklin can't win the, uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State can't beat Michigan all of a sudden. You think about what Lincoln Riley was brought in to do. He was brought in for one reason and one reason alone, to get USC back to the playoff. Year one, they blow the Pac-12 championship game. Year two, they go seven and five. And they are a mess defensively. They are a mess in every sense of the word. And the only reason why they were seven and five is because they had Superman playing quarterback. And now you're losing a lot of the foundation of your program with, you know, young talent transferring out. And now you're going to go into the Big Ten. Like you went seven and five, and granted they had a tough. Tough schedule in the Pac-12. Pac-12 was a good conference this year, but like just just humor me for a minute. Here's here's who they play next year. They go to Michigan. I know Michigan loses a lot, but anybody picking USC early in that game? I'm not. You know Wisconsin at home. That's not a gimme. Not with not with year two. Luke Fickle. Penn State with their new offensive coordinator, with a third-year quarterback and Drew Aller, with Singleton and Catron Allen getting sophomore slump out of their system, maybe getting Julian Fleming in the portal. You go to Washington, like they lose a lot, but that's a tough out. You gotta go to Washington, tough pa- place to play. You get Nebraska, and they're not gonna be a cakewalk next year. You, you have to go to Maryland, which you're going across country and Maryland has been able to develop you know they they are frustratingly inconsistent and sometimes that inconsistency is they play up to the level of their competition they play UCLA which UCLA just beat them by 18 and by the way in the non-conference they got LSU and Notre Dame we counted on the Big 10 huddle I think there's two, maybe three games that you're like, oh, that's definitely a win. Utah State, Minnesota, and Rutgers, and even Rutgers. You know, if you listen again to the pot I had with Larry, like Rutgers is on the rise now. Rutgers has to go to USC. That's that's a tough out. I think Minnesota is taken on water in the boat, uh, figuratively and literally, and I think you know Utah State's Utah State, but the other nine games like are we are we sure USC is a bowl team next year because their quarterback is will Howard that that's going to be their quarterback moving forward he's good he's good for Kansas State he ain't Caleb Williams now Howard might provide stability where Caleb Williams, provided excitement and flash and sizzle and maybe usc needs a little bit more stability but man i if i'm if i'm a usc fan you know the boosters i i just i'm like next year could be the last year lincoln riley now i i hope not because i would like to at least get to 2025 and see lincoln riley versus ryan day but this is like USC is in a lot, a lot of trouble if they don't get this turned around. And I mean, turned around quick. Because seven and five could become five and seven, four and eight. Right? Like, it, it will take a lot for them to get to eight or nine wins next year. For, forget playoff. Like, they, they have a higher likelihood of not making a bowl than being in the top four of the Big Ten Conference next year. Like I think that's very, it's, I think that's obvious, and I think anyone who argues that, you're you're not living in reality based on what they've lost in the portal, how they've looked this year, and the fact that they lose the guy who kept them afloat, in Caleb Williams. So USC's in a lot of trouble. Um, let's let's go to some bowl games before we uh, we finish out here. So I've done. The, uh, the Minnesota Bowl game, the Rutgers Bowl game, the Northwestern Bowl game. In this podcast, we're gonna do all the other Big Ten Bowl games except for the New Year's Six. The Tuesday pod, which is happening because Christmas is Monday and you shouldn't listen to my podcast on Christmas Day. Go celebrate the birth of Jesus, okay? Like go worship, go be with your families, go, go. don't listen to my podcast on Monday, Christmas Day um if you do then i'm sorry but that being said we'll get to those new year six games on tuesday the 26th that's when we'll do that but let me let's let's start maryland versus auburn that's the music city bowl on december 30th it's a 2 p.m kick on abc auburn's a seven point favorite no talia tungavailoa in this game he has opted out he's obviously going to the draft no Corey Dykus at tight end. Uh, for Auburn, kind of the notable opt-outs, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, DJ James, they're uh, NFL-level corners. And Billy Edwards and Cameron Edge, they are going to probably share quarterbacking duties here for, for Maryland. I I do wonder if Billy Edwards, being more of a run threat, you know, he's a sturdy guy, right? 6'4", 215, yeah, he has starting experience. I wonder if that Opens up some running lanes for them with uh, with Hemby and McDonald and Littleton, and I, I like those backs. I like Hemby a lot. I like you know I like the variation in their backs. Um, I also wonder with the corners being out for Auburn. I just wonder if that's gonna be enough for them to exploit with their receiving core. Right, you've got Prather, you've got Felton uh Deshaun Jones, like those three guys, they're not the receiving core from a couple years ago with Demas and those boys, but they're they're a good trio. And like I wonder if if Edge and Edwards can really exploit the outside and then hit them with zone read, hit them with quarterback power, hit them with Hemby and, and those backs, and if they can get enough out of their, their game to kind of keep Auburn off balance. Auburn's weird. I feel like Maryland and Auburn are mirror images of each other where Auburn is also very inconsistent. People will point to the New Mexico state game, be like, Auburn stinks, but like they've, they've exploded on people. They, they hung tough with Georgia. They probably should have beat Alabama. And so it's a tough call. I think the right team is favored, but I, I have this sneaking suspicion. I, I just I don't trust either of these teams, quite honestly, but I just think Maryland is going to win. Like, I think Talia is great. I love Talia. I think when he's on, he's on. I also think when he's off, he's really off. And, like, I think Edwards provides a different spark. I think Cameron Edge, I think they, they're high on him. So I, I'm going 24 to 20. Maryland upsets Auburn. I think they win out right. Uh, Next is LSU versus Wisconsin. It's a 12 p.m. kick on New Year's Day, the first day of 2024. It's a 12 p.m. kick on ESPN2. It's the ReliaQuest Bowl. I don't know what ReliaQuest is. I don't really care. And I think by the end of this game, I don't think Wisconsin is going to care to be there. I hate to say that, Wisconsin fans. Um, Jaden Daniels for LSU is out. But you have to remember Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, who has played in in games was really good against Georgia when he came in relief back in the SEC championship game a year ago. Was very good for them. You know he has rapport with Malik Neighbors who's playing in this game. You know Malik Neighbors, Bolitnikov finalist. You know very good player, very good player. You know Wisconsin has a lot of opt outs, right? Their their receiving core is taking a hit. DK is out. Uh, A lot of other receivers are out for them. And I just, you know, I don't, LSU's defense is not good. I, I don't know what Wisconsin is good at, like, other than running the ball. Like, I think Braylon Allen can play well, but I just don't, I don't see, I don't see Wisconsin able to keep pace. And I think as LSU starts fast, I think it forces Wisconsin into some tough spots. I think LSU runs away with this game. I think it's over early. 45-21, LSU wins. I don't think – listen, Badger fans. I don't think that means that, like, the Luke Fickle experiment is, has failed. I think he's, he's got to keep building. Like, this – Wisconsin was not left in a great place. It, it just requires more, more foundation building, I think, for, for Luke Fickle. So the last, last game we're going to talk about, the Citrus Bowl. It's hosted by Cheez-It. Now, I miss when it was just called the Citrus Bowl. Maybe I'm a, I'm a traditionalist at heart. Iowa versus Tennessee. Tennessee's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. 1 p.m. kick on ABC. You know, I think in some ways this is similar to Wisconsin and LSU. It's hard, though, because Tennessee is not as good and as explosive as LSU. Joe Milton is inconsistent. The receivers aren't nearly as explosive. Um, The running game is good, not great. And when Tennessee has had to play good defenses, they've struggled, right? Ten points against Georgia, seven points against Missouri. But my, my concern is that those defenses that they played had complementary offenses to make them pay. And what's been the drum that we've been banging on this show since the beginning of the season, when we saw how bad Iowa's offense has been, the offense is going to cost you games. Now, the Big Ten West doesn't have many offenses to threaten you. Heck, the Big Ten in general didn't have many offenses to threaten you. Tennessee has an offense that can threaten you. Okay? Tennessee, you know, they have a guy who can outthrow their corners. And by the way, their best corner, Cooper DeGene, not playing in this game, he's hurt. He's been hurt, for the, I, I think, for the past several games. He's out for the season. So that, that makes me concerned because even if Iowa can hold Tennessee for the first quarter and a half, I have no confidence that Iowa under Deacon Hill is going to be able to move the ball consistently. I know they, they started to figure things out with Caleb Johnson at running back, with uh, Caleb Brown uh, at wide receiver. And those are some answers. Stelianos at tight end. But you have to understand they were doing a good job for them. That does not mean they were doing a good job. And I think Iowa is, is going to be unable to move the ball consistently. And I think that gives Tennessee time to adjust to Iowa's defense. And I think Tennessee makes some big plays sometime in the second quarter. And I think Tennessee gets up 17 points. I think that spells doom for Iowa because then Iowa has to press. I think that's when Deacon Hill turns the ball over. I think this gets out of hand probably late in the first half, early in the second. I, I, I've got Tennessee winning 31-14 in this game. I just think that's a bad matchup to have an offensively-minded coach in Josh Heupel to, you know, for them to be, you know, he's going to figure things out. And I, I think because Iowa can't keep pace and can't kind of put a chokehold on them early, I think that makes it really tough for them to stay in this game. So we've got Tennessee winning, and and that'll do it. We'll, we'll talk more about the New Year's Six games on the next episode. Uh, oh, real quick, I, before I forget, I did say I wanted to talk about Tom Allen. I am really excited about that hire for both Tom Allen and Penn State. I think Penn State, you know, we talked about this on the, on the Big Ten Huddle I thought, I I think this might be the best offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator combo that Penn State has had since 2016, which was Brent Pry and Joe Moorhead. I think this is a really good, I think it's a great hire. Like Manny Diaz is great, but man, Tom Allen, he can mess with you as a defensive coach and in ways that other defensive coaches don't, My question is, will he recruit? You know, he he did some decent recruiting for Indiana, so I think think that'll bode well. And I think he's a much better coordinator than he is a head coach. So I think he's in the place, I think he's in a place where he's not gonna jump ship. I think he's in a place where he's probably gonna stay there for a while. And I think that's great because it adds stability and, and continuity, which I think is something that Penn State needs especially after this past season where you fire Mike Yurcich and Manny Diaz leaves after two years, which I think most people expected because Manny Diaz, everybody knew he wants to be a head coach, and he didn't do a terrible job at Miami. So I think it's a great hire for Penn State, although we, we really won't see until things play out. So that'll do it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you guys enjoy the holidays. I hope you guys really do enjoy not just the fun family time, but that you guys really do get to enjoy the true meaning of the season, which we celebrate a King who was born to us to save us from our sin. That is Jesus. Um, I'm a Christian; not going to apologize for that. So if you if you don't agree with my beliefs or anything, that's totally cool. But I want to tell you this is this is what the whole point of this holiday is, and it's about a King who left his throne to save his people from their sin. So I hope you guys get to celebrate that. I hope you guys get to uh, enjoy the season, the greatest gift of all, and that you get to enjoy it with family and friends, um, worshiping around a true throne. Um, and so that that is my hope for you all. Again, thanks for listening. I love you all. Thanks so much for all your support and listenership. We appreciate it. Take care. God bless.